It's without repentance. So let's look at together. I want us to read John chapter 21. I'm reading out of the NIV version. It says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. As a matter of fact, this is the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection. It happened this way, verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and then they said, guess what? Because who's Peter? The rock. He's the one. They'll say, they said, I'll go with you. You're going? I'm going. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, throw your net on the other side of the boat. Now, I don't know about you. I like to fish. And I'm telling you, a span of about five foot does not make a huge difference. But see, these people had been with Jesus. They've seen weird things. Spit in the mud and put the mud on the guy's eyes. What? Throw your net on the other side of the boat. Okay. Mm. So they did it. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he unwrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. Let me stop right here. He didn't even wait to row the boat in. See, because there had been a time between Jesus looking at him when he heard that rooster crow to now he's in the boat and he sees the master and his master's looking at him and he realizes that's Jesus, that he realized I need to go quickly to him. And so forget about rowing, I'm diving in. Hold that in your thought. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Listen, so Peter, Simon Peter, climbed back into the boat and dragged the net by himself right to shore. I'll go get you fish. I'll get you fish. As a matter of fact, it said it was full of large fish, about 153 of them. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask who you are because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. Verse 14, this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, here it is, here's the restoration process. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
And he answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. And let me just insert to the heart. He was cut to the heart. Because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the type of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? It is John, spoiler alert, sorry. Verse 21, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, but what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. And we'll just continue to read just so you can say you read a whole chapter this morning. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain until I return, what is that to you? There's a process here. Three steps that Jesus used in restoring Peter. First, Jesus ate with him. Second, Jesus realigned his priorities. And third, Jesus walked with him. Let's look at this real quick. First, Jesus ate with him. Jesus had to show Peter that he was still loved. He had to put the relationship back together again. And there's no better way to show someone that you're in a good relationship and sitting down and eating together. And of course, Jesus was serving him. Revelations 3.20, Jesus says, Here I am, I stand at the door and I knock. And he's calling this to the Christians. I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, he says, I want to come in and eat with you. That's an intimate relationship God needs, we need to have with God, with Jesus. It has to be fixed. For you to be restored to the original, first you have to work on sitting down. Or like Peter did, jump out of the boat, start swimming, get to God quickly. And restore that broken relationship. Sit down with him and eat. Restoration must have, a con must have continued times of communion with God. And I'm not just talking about the once a month remembering the Lord's death and resurrection through communion. But I'm talking about everyday communion time with him. Everyday setting, standing laying down wherever, quiet time with God. 
That's eating. That's your spirit eating, supping with God. He wants to spend time. There was an old song written long ago, and people used to sing it all the time. And it was called, I Miss My Time With You. It's a song that's actually sung like God's singing it over you. Where have you been? You've run here. You've run there. You're always busy. But I miss my time. God's saying that with you. In order to be restored, you have to have continued times of feeding, eating with God, communing with God. Jesus ate with him. Number two, Jesus realigned his priorities. See, when he was standing there denying who was on his mind more, God or himself. He was on his own mind. I don't want to be known. What if they drag me in there? Look what they're doing to Jesus. I cut off the ear of one of the soldiers. If, if I... No, I don't know him. Jesus had to realign his priorities, realign his focus. When we've done something or are doing something that we feel disqualifies us from God's service, we become self-centered, self-focused. Our eyes come off our mission and on ourselves. We're sitting at, around the bonfire and, and with my family and my mom shared this same thought that, you know, you, you get all wrapped up in yourself and how you messed up this week or what you're doing wrong that you know you're not supposed to do and you walk in the doors and the whole time during worship, during prayer, even during the message, all you can do is focus on, I'm a worm, I'm a worm, I'm horrible, I messed up, I'm a worm, I'm a worm. And then the altar time and you go up to the altar, I'm a worm, I'm a worm, I'm awful, I shouldn't have done that, and you leave. Who is glorified there? Where, where's the power of God manifested there? Yes, I understand the Holy Spirit draws us, draws us and calls us to repentance. Come on, yeah, you messed up. Come on, come on. It's like he's standing on the sea, on the shore and saying, come on, come on, come on. Got the fire right here. We need to eat. Come on, come on up here. So yes, I understand that. But if all we do is run up there and fall in front of the fire at the feet of the master and stay there and roll around, how awful we are, we don't go on to the next step. We don't let God realign our focus. We don't go walking with Jesus. Then it's still not restored. As a matter of fact, next week you're going to come back and do the same exact thing. The same exact thing. Because it's all about you. Could you imagine if we sung that for a worship song? It's all about me, Jesus. It's all about me. Really, that's what we're singing. When we come in and we are the only thing on our mind. Have you? And I don't want to see your hands raised because probably every one of us have. While you're worshiping, you're thinking, I wonder what I look like from the back. I think I have a wedgie. How can I? Oh, it's all about me. Really? Or when we get down and we think that, okay, God, it's all you, and then we get laid out there and all of a sudden you hear a voice say, what are you doing? That's not coming out of your mouth. Stand up. Wipe yourself off. Oh, yeah. Now it is all about you again. 
We had an amazing prayer meeting Thursday night, packed in that room. Denny, we're about ready to push you out. Pastor Daniel, where are you? We're about ready to push you out of this room. You better keep growing in this room. Or Anyway, packed. And I, toward the end of it, I'm sitting there and somebody's telling a testimony. And, I mean, we heard lots of, I mean, it was awesome. And all of a sudden I heard, what's, made no sense. I actually looked over and I thought, Tammy is talking to Pastor Neil and I was going to shh her. And I glanced over and nobody was talking. I'm like, that's weird. And I heard it, again. And then all of a sudden, and I had to ask Tammy because right in my ear, audibly, I heard, you need to pray for broken relationships. And I looked over at Tammy, and she just sat there listening to somebody's testimony. I can't remember who was giving a testimony. And I looked back again, and I looked back at her again, and I said, Hey, did you just say something to me? She goes, no, I didn't say nothing to you. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I just heard the audible voice of God. And so I was like, <gasps> and all of a sudden, thought came, because I was like, I got to tell him, I got to tell him what I just heard. And all of a sudden, this voice came up, Oh, you're going to be one of them people, huh? One of those weirdos. And I thought, oh, I don't want to be a weirdo. Yeah, that guy, that probably wasn't you, God. Tammy's lying. She's dead too. She's just playing with me. And then something from the pit of my stomach rose up and said, don't listen to it. And so I'm just like, hey, everybody, guess what I just heard? I thought, if I have to be a fool, why not be a fool for God? Why not be a fool for God? So I understand, we all understand, when you feel like you're a worm, you're horrible, nobody else is as bad as me, look around. Look around. And when those voices hit your head and say, oh, you're a failure, you're worthless, you're disqualified, just go back to the corner, you can't do anything. When you step into the sanctuary and you feel the unction of the Holy Spirit saying, come up to the fire, don't let it stop at the fire. There's more. God wants to continue to restore you to the original design, not just pat you on the back and tell you, it's okay, I know you're horrible, you failed again, just go on, try better. No, that's not all there is. When he asked Peter, do you love me? That word love in the Greek has two meanings. The first is an agape love. An agape love which is, means intelligent, purposeful love. It's primarily of the mind and the will. And the Greek word for love also here is phileo, which means a warm, natural affection of emotions. It's more personal. It's a feeling love. And he used both of those Greek words of love there when he was asking Peter, do you love me? You see, we must have a personal, heartfelt love that motivates our mind and our will to action. He said, do you love me? Then do what I've told you to do. If you love me, love you, you know my heart, you, you know what's inside of me, then do 
what I've told you to do. Because what do we want to do when we've messed up? We love God. We still mess up. Doesn't mean you're not going to mess up. We want to roll around and say, that's it. And God says, get up. Go do it. I know you love me. You know you love me. Now get up and go do what I've called you to do. There must be a love that motivates, not just heartfelt. It must motivate our mind and our will to do what God's called us to do. John 14, 15 says, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. John 14, 23, Jesus replied, anyone who tells me they love me must obey my commands. Jesus commanded him, one, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, and then feed my sheep. Jesus, in stating these commands, realigns Peter's original commission of being an apostle. The apostle that Christ stated he would build his church upon is also the mission of the church. Feed my lambs, disciple newborn Christians. Go and make disciples. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Equip the believers to do the work of the ministry. Feed my sheep. Keep them eating the word, the meat of the word, which will build them up and make them mature and healthy. That's the mission of the church. And the third, the third process, the third point in this process of restoration is Jesus said then, Jesus said, come follow me. You see, you need to come to the fire. You need to have Jesus restore that relationship that's been broken. You need him to realign priorities, realign your focus, get you off your mind and get him back on your mind again. And then you need to stand up and follow Jesus. Jesus walked with Peter. Verse 19, then Jesus said to Peter, now follow me. Peter turned and saw the other disciple whom Jesus loved, John. And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Now that our relationship has been restored, now that your priorities have been realigned, now, Jesus said, follow me. Get up. Follow me. Don't worry about anybody else. Don't worry about sister so-and-so or what is brother so-and-so going to say or what's my wife going to say? She knows exactly what I did last night. Or what's my husband going to say? He knows exactly what I said. It doesn't matter. Leave them to God. Jesus said, you worry about me. Follow me. Don't worry about them. Follow me. I can assure you before you even leave church today, you're going to have a thought in your mind that doubts God's ability to restore you. Because of, well, what's sister so-and-so going to say? Or what are they going to say? And Well, I still do this or I've done this. And 
Charles Finney said that there is one greater thing than the devil that's destroyed more prayers. I believe has destroyed more people standing up and doing what God's called them to do. And it's not the devil. It's your doubt. Doubt is what stops you. So you have to realign your priorities, realign your focus. Remember that question at the beginning of the message? The best question you can ask is, do you really believe God is big enough to restore you back to his original design? That's it. Nothing else matters. You follow Jesus. Over and over again, God calls us to be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be terrified because of anyone. For I will be with you. God says, I will go with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. In the Great Commission, Matthew 28, Jesus says, go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Right? Make disciples everywhere you go. Healing the sick. And what did he say at the end? I will be with you always. Don't worry about anyone else. Don't think about anything else. Follow him. We don't walk alone. The story teaches us that Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus realigned Peter's focus with three questions and three commands. He restored him for every doubt, for every denial. God has an answer. God can wipe away. God can restore. God is big enough for every doubt you have, every failure you've made, every mistake, every word, every thought, every motive, every crack in your little pot. He can mend. And he doesn't just band-aid them. As a matter of fact, I... Scriptures and scriptures I had, I had to cut out of this message just so I wouldn't go an hour and a half again. Anyway, that he doesn't just band-aid those cracks in us. He restores them to its original design like a potter with that clay. He continues to mold it, squeeze it, make it, add more water, add more clay, mold it. So you can't even see that crack anymore. Peter was restored to his original design. Peter, the rock. From a broken vase back to the rock. Which the church has been built upon. How? One, Jesus sat down with, Peter sat down with Jesus and ate. He restored his relationship. Two, Peter allowed Jesus to realign his priorities. He restored his vision. And three, Peter followed Jesus. He restored his commission. You were created with a specific mission, specific purpose. And all you have to do is surrender to Jesus and say, here I am. Restore my relationship with you. Realign my priorities and I will follow you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, restore that mission, that co-mission. So here it is, the altar. If I can get Amy and or the team, whoever wants to come back up here. Let me ask you a couple questions as we close. 
What have you been battling with? I'm sure you've thought it a few times already just since I've been preaching. As a matter of fact, if I could plug into your mind and throw it up on the projector, we'd all see it because you've been thinking it. It's been plaguing you lately. You really say you believe God is big enough, but your actions prove that your doubt is bigger. It's a lie. Nothing. Nothing. And see, we're quick to say it as Christians, but it's time we start living like it. When we have been restored, restored, the Bible says that we are a representation of heaven's glory. That our life is supposed to shine the very presence of God in and through our lives. We are an ambassador of Christ. An ambassador of heaven. So when somebody looks at you, do they see a broken vessel that's just too big, too broken, too many cracks, too many tarnishes? Or do they see God's glory? restored in you. Yeah, somebody, you hopefully you'll come up with somebody that comes to your face and says, I know who you used to be. How can you now say you're a Christian and you should get a great big smile on your face only by Jesus? Only God can take what the world considered trash and put it in his museum and make it a treasure. And put it on display for the world to see. Look what I can do. What does the world see? In you. Through you. So I know that you've been battling with something. You believe that there's something that's disqualified you. You've bought into the lie of your doubt that I can't because I've, because I'm. It's a lie. The enemy will whisper things in your ear. The enemy will scream things in your mind. Who do you think you are raising your hands what you just did not even five minutes ago before you walked in the church. Put your hands down. One thing, whenever you hear a voice like that, whenever you feel a doubt come in you, ask yourself, is this the voice of God? If it's not, get rid of it. Shut up, enemy. They can use that with them, right? Amy hates it when I say shut up. Tell the enemy to shut his face. Isn't that better? Shut. Shut your mouth. Don't listen to those. When you have a doubt that says, I'm a worm, I'm too bad, this was horrible, I did it again. Three times in a row, I did it. And you hear that, yeah, you're no good. That is not God. As a matter of fact, Jesus stands on the shore and says, uh, whatever you were thinking, whatever you were doing before, do the exact opposite over there. 
because I'm over here. Stop throwing your net on this side. You're not getting anything. Stop listening to those lies, that doubt. You're not getting anything. You're not going anywhere. It's right here. It's right here. I'm right here. And then as a matter of fact, after you throw that net over and you see what kind of miraculous things are going to happen, come on in. Let's sit down and eat. It's time to have fun. Don't worry about anybody else. I'm going to realign your priorities. I'm going to put you back on the right track. There's a mission to do. There's a job to do. And I've qualified you, equipped you, called you, and given you everything you need and even myself to walk with you. We're going to have some fun. So let's do this. With every eye closed, every head bowed, let me ask you. When you came in here today, Did you feel disqualified? Something you've done, something you did. Have you been battling with that? Just so I can see it, because I want to pray with you. Just raise your hand. Yep, this message was for me. Yep, yep, I see your hands. Yep, yep. I know, we've all been there. We've all felt it. We've all listened to those lies. God, you've seen these hands. You know these hearts. Begin to speak to them right now. Do you love me? Ask them, God. Ask them, God. Help realign their priorities right now. Restore these relationships right now. And then call them to follow you. So God, right now, I pray for every one of us that are here today. Begin asking us that question. Do you love me? Do you love me? Then feed my lambs. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Then take care of my sheep. Do you love me? Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. God, don't let us just settle into the getting by, the doing stuff just good enough. We don't want to just try to slip into heaven. We're tired of the status quo. We don't want to just hold on until you come back, God. You have created us to overcome, to be conquerors, more than conquerors. You died for us to have more than just survive. God, I pray for every one of us here today that you restore us to the original design you had for us. Realign our priorities and call us, Lord, and we'll follow you. Restore our mission. So let's do that. Let's stand up. If I can get the altar team to come up front, I don't want you to leave. I want you to be quick to run to the front. We want to pray with you. Restore that relationship. Don't leave here the same. Restore that relationship. As a matter of fact, as you're coming up front, let me read Revelations chapter 2. Revelations chapter 2, it says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write write this. 
These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. God says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Verse 4, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. And his warning is, if you do not repent, I will come to you and I will snuff out your lamp. I'll remove your lampstand from its place. God's calling us to that first love with him again. that I hold this against you. You've fallen from that first love. God, I ask right now that you draw us by your love back into a love relationship with you that's not just motivating our heart, heartfelt, ooh, womb, warm, and ooh, goosebumps. We love you, God, but it motivates our mind and our will into actions to do what you've commanded us to do, God. Call us, and if that's you, come forward, and we want to pray with you. You need to restore that relationship with God. You need to have your priorities realigned. You need to hear God call you again. Come, follow me. Come up front. We want to pray with you. Psalms 23, 1-3 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He can even restore your very emotions that seem to run wild and out of control. He can restore your soul. And he will lead you in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Psalms 80:19 says, Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine us on us that we may be saved. And 1 Peter 5 says, And the God of all grace, who called you by his eternal glory in Christ, will restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Father, I just ask right now that you by your Holy Spirit call us, beckon us help us to get us off our mind and put you on the forefront of our mind doesn't matter what this person says, it doesn't matter if that person is watching you are all that matters God realign our priorities realign our focus Restore us to that original design that nothing can stop us. We are an ambassador of Christ. We are the very glory of heaven on display for all to see. Restore us, restore us, restore us. Restore us. Restore us. us. Mm. And 
now, God, we ask that you confirm your word today with signs, with wonders, with miracles. God, confirm your word. Let the power of your glory be evident in this place today. Miracles, miracles, miracles. Confirm your word, God. Show off, God, your glory. Show off your power. Show off your majesty. God, it's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. Testimonies, testimonies, testimonies. Power. 